This podcast was recorded at 11.30 a.m. on 9 November, Jakarta time. Things may have changed by the time you hear this. Enjoy the program. Welcome to Reformacy Dispatch. I'm Jeff Hutton. And I'm Kevin O'Rourke from Reformacy Weekly. Kevin, it's been a long time. I was uh, yeah. took a bit of time off. I went back to Canada. I went back to Canada for um, what we like to call Thanksgiving. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Somebody's got to do it. Because you, guys, you guys have American Thanksgiving. No, no, seriously, yeah. um, we've, it was the uh, first time in three years and much needed break. Uh, so sorry about the radio silence to everyone. And we are recording just as the results are coming in from the uh, U.S. election. Um, where they know how to do elections, don't they? In, yeah, in contrast right. to uh, to Indonesia, which is, oh wait, no, it's the other way around. Indonesia oh, knows how to do <laughs> right. right <laughs> Sorry, maybe I think Indonesia should send some election observers. What do you think to Maricopa County in, in Arizona? How are you feeling? Uh, do you yeah, have the Xanax I, ready? Do you have the Xanax and uh, vodka there on the go? Yeah, I submitted my vote, and otherwise I'm trying not to think about it. But, uh, much more interesting to think about Indonesia. <laughs> I'm sorry, was that triggering at all? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene, I think, I think she, she won. Ah. I'm sorry, I'm, sorry I should, I'm not supposed to. I'm sorry, I'm sorry about that. Didn't mean to. <laughs> I should bring it up. On today's program, uh, talking about elections, the president of Indonesia gives an, an abject a demonstration of what not to say in the run-up to an election. Um, we're going to talk about entrepreneurs improving chances of getting the party support and a little bit of meditation on um, on the G20. Um, yeah. No interview today. We thought uh, Kevin and I would probably catch up on things. What do you say, Kevin? Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> um, yeah. Plenty going on. There's plenty going on. Okay, so first, at uh, what appears to be what, – what was that? It was, it was a military – an event to commemorate um, Indonesia's military. Indo-defense. Indo-defense, right. Uh, President <laughs> Joko Widodo um, seemed to suggest that he supported the candidacy of his uh, defense minister, uh, Prabowo. Here's a, here's a clip. Sejak awal kok restu-restu. Sejak awal saya menyampaikan mendukung beliau. Saling tukar, menukar pikiran mengenai Bagaimana Indonesia ke depan? Saya kira biasalah saya berbicara bukan sering ya, terlalu sering dengan Pak Menhan itu. Just for the you know for the folks at home that maybe are, don't have their Indonesian up to scratch or maybe can't understand his Javanese accent, what, what, what was he saying there? I was saying that. I've been amenable to Prabowo running for president from the outset, and I've been supportive of him. Um, that's one way to translate it, or you could say, technically, I support him. Uh, but in that sense, he wasn't saying that literally he supports Prabowo for president, but rather he provides moral support for Prabowo for his endeavors, I think, is really the context. And this comment was triggered by a court decision that allowed active ministers to run officially for president without having to resign first from the cabinet. That's a decision that came out two weeks ago. It helps Prabowo. Um, that, that was the issue. 
Um, so that sort of rests with the Men Dukung, right? Or Dukung is like he's, he supports and he's supported his, his efforts to seek the presidency, not necessarily his candidacy. But yeah, I think so. Right. Right. And so there's also the, it's, it hinged on this other verb, um, restu or restui. What, what was? Yeah. Yeah, well, restu is a very common word in politics that kind of reflects the hierarchical past of political traditions where top tier figures control the movements of their underlings. And so there's a sense that a minister who wants to run for president should ideally get prior permission from the president. That's a nice form of etiquette. And that permission comes in the form of a restu or the president saying that he condones the candidacy or he's amenable to the minister running. So, so that's what the restu means condone. It's kind of, kind of like, um, you know, going to get your uh, would be parents in laws a blessing (laughs) before you, you know, are married to to your betrothed. Right. Uh, I was just, yeah, which is a big thing in Indonesia. That's a big thing in Indonesia. (laughs) The Lamaran. (laughs) Well, and uh, I actually, I, I read your report, and I was actually on the way to uh, uh, to the airport, and I saw a minibus, and stenciled on the on the rear mirror was um, "Doa Restu Ibu." Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, mother's that's, blessing. That's, that's basically that, that, that's ultimately the the best source of information in Indonesia. You never know what's true or what's not true, but if it's stenciled on the back of a minibus, then that's this, definite. Then, but not. <laughs> <laughs> it drove it drove at home anyway, um, and for for me and my uh, terrible Indonesian, uh, I now remember what what restu means. Um, and it it boggles the mind how Indonesian reporters would would somehow make a mistake um, that this this guy sort of condones his efforts to legally pursue the presidency. I mean, there's, and yet, yeah, uh, it has become a huge kerfuffle. I was going to stop you right there because it <laughs> it is it uh, it became a kerfuffle because once again the president, but the president um, puts his foot in it again. Roll the clip. Kelihatannya setelah ini jatahnya Pak Prabowo. Yeah, he's saying the next time. Yeah. Seems as if after this, it's the presidency is going to be the allotment of Pat Prabowo. Uh, that's literally what uh, Widodo was saying. It sounds better in Indonesian. It's uh, sort of a a joke, and it's uh, not the most clever humor in the world. I think it might have been an impromptu remark, but it really caused a stir. What's the context here? He's he's addressing the partai Perindu. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, Prindo is a party set up by Harry Tennis Adibio, sort of a uh, tycoon of the mixed reputation who owns a vast media empire and so is able to relentlessly advertise his party, which therefore is climbing up in the polls and therefore was able to attract a pretty big turnout at its uh, gala annual event, including Prabowo and the president uh, and a few other people. And so the president was giving out compliments to the dignitaries in turn. Um, but he started by recounting his own political career and then made this sort of complimentary joke to Prabowo about how Prabowo basically is in line to follow Widodo. Uh, and then Widodo proceeded to compliment uh, the, the chair of Parindo, Harry Tanu, and uh, a few other figures in the audience. Um, so 
Afterwards, Widodo tried to explain his remark by saying that he wants everybody to compliment everybody and everybody should you know, share in positivity um, between candidates and parties and so on. So that's sort of, yeah, but it's a lot of uh, the commentary has read into this as being that Widodo has come down on the side of Prabowo in the presidential election, which I, I think is overstating it. A little bit. I mean, uh, one way of take, <laughs> taking that remark was that, it, hey, who knows, it might be his turn next time or something like that. Um, But it does suggest that there's something – well, first of all, it suggests a few things, that uh, the the president continues to have enormous clout uh, and everyone is seeking his blessing. It's a great position for him to be in. His political capital is quite high. And uh, the two men seem to have a pretty good relationship. And you were suggesting before that maybe – uh, Widodo has cooled a bit on a Ganjar Pranol ca- candidacy. We'll talk about uh, Ganjar in a little bit, but might this might another indication uh, he's uh, just biding his time? Yeah, I think this is a timing issue, really. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, Prabowo has indeed managed to insinuate himself into the good graces of Widodo, that's for sure, because uh, just. Uh, Going back just a mere little over three years, uh, Prabowo was refusing to acknowledge the election outcome in May 2019. And in fact, uh, there were thugs mobilized by somebody um, in a very coordinated attempt to sow chaos in downtown Jakarta with two days of rioting, which uh, took a couple of lives and caused a lot of damage. It was incredibly ugly. And then now, fast forward, um, and Widodo and Prabowo are uh, uh, quite, uh, quite pleasant with one another. But ultimately, Ganjar is uh, the person that you know, really has an affiliation with Widodo and uh, the person whom I think uh, Widodo looks to to uh, provide continuity with the Widodo era interests that exist right now in the status quo. So it's a bit of a stretch. It seems very unlikely that uh, Jokowi will give his restu <laughs> to restuan to uh, yeah. Rubble. Yeah. The, the caveat. The caveat the, the caveat I would just interject is, is that, yeah. um, you know, Widodo is not going off into the sunset here. Uh, he's got a son mm. who's uh, the mayor of Solo and wants to be governor of Central Java in 2024 and could very well do so based on, on poll indications. Problem is that son, Gibran Rakabumi, needs to have a nomination from a party to be a gubernatorial candidate in 2024. So mm. Widodo needs to manage his relations with some party or alliance of parties that will back his son. Um, and in the event that things fall through with PDIP, because Megawati is very mercurial, uh, it might be good for Widodo to have Garindra in his back pocket just in case. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's what I was wondering. I mean, there's no way he's going to get this blessing, but I was just cur- curious why go through all this effort when he's clearly <laughs> not going to back the guy. And this is just a case of not burning bridges. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And uh, what what do we make of um, Prabowo's uh, presidential chances so far? He he's already announced several months ago, um, and yet his his uh, poll standing is dropping. That's right. Yeah, uh, he's really a known entity, so it's kind of hard for him to reinvent himself or reinvigorate uh, the electorate on his behalf. But he he does have some formidable factors going in his favor. His party is uh, pretty extensive and well organized. He's got an alliance with uh, the National Awakening Party, PKB. That's the political affiliate of Nalatul Ulama, the biggest Islamic organization, the 
moderate traditionalist one. Uh, and that could be uh, beneficial for him. So uh, he definitely cannot be counted out. Uh, there is new poll data, though, showing that he's uh, uh, squarely in second place now. In fact, in some uh, formats, tied for second with Anis Prabowo. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Anis Pasuena <laughs> with uh, Genjar, Genjar Pranowo, uh, clearly in, in first place now, according to Three different credible polls during September and October uh, with four different types of questioning formats, all showing Ganjar with a lead that's statistically significant, greater than the margin of error of the polling. Still slim and, and still subject to change, and um, but but nonetheless, it's possible to say that Ganjar is the, is the clear number one now, and Prabowo is uh, number two or even you know tied with uh, Baswedan for number two. Hey, podcast listeners, Jeff here again. For more analysis like this on Indonesian politics, policy, and economics, try a subscription of the Reformasi Weekly Newsletter. Go to reformasi.info for your free one-month trial. And we're back. The United Indonesia Alliance had some uh, plenary session in Makassar over, over the weekend. And while not a lot happened, something that didn't happen was a window shutting on Ganjar Pranowo. Can you give us a little rundown on how the KIB, which is makeup of, uh, of, of Gokar and PAN and PPP, um, might be a vehicle for uh, the central governor, the central Java governor? Yes. Um, yeah, this is an alliance which uh, surpasses the nominating threshold with ease. In fact, uh, Golkar and Pan do so themselves. They don't even need uh, the smaller Islamic-based uh, PPP, but they, but they have PPP on board anyway. There had been an expectation already five months ago that this alliance would back Ganjar, um, but it hasn't come to fruition. However, on the other hand, neither has the KIB veered off to find some other candidate or option or avenue. So it's really just been in a prolonged holding pattern. And this has been advantageous for Ganjar in the beginning, um, but now it's becoming disadvantageous, I think, probably. And so there's some urgency to get a resolution to the, the impasse. Um, there was actually a pointed question at one of the meetings of the Bogar mayor was wondering if um, it was possible there might be a, a, a presidential vice president presidential ticket comprising of uh, Ganjar and uh, Ridwan Kamil. Yeah, and why not? You know, uh, so Megawati has been the stumbling block and uh, there are plenty of figures within PAN in particular who are keen to get a Ganjar candidacy up and running. PAN is on the verge of falling below the parliamentary threshold in the legislative election such that it wouldn't be able to occupy seats in parliament if it wins less than 4.5% of the national vote. So PAN really needs something to elevate its stature and get uh, its supporters excited. So being the standard bearer for a genuinely popular uh, candidate who, who really connects with voters is, is paramount for PAN. So there's a prominent PAN figure, the Bogor mayor asked uh, Ganjar and Ridwan Kamil about this in a, a G20 event uh, last week, and uh, there was no comment. But um, 
Yeah, it is a good idea, and uh, it's it shows that there's active support for that idea within the KIB from at least some portions. But basically, these these parties in the KIB are showing deference to Widodo, who in turn is showing deference to Megawati. <laughs> That's the first time I've actually heard that pairing before. Well, yeah, there's some um, you know a lot of permutations, but uh, Ridwan Kamil got quite a boost in um, the latest uh, poll by. Uh, the Compass Research Department, uh, since uh, the previous iteration in June, uh, for whatever reason, but he's uh, clearly in the number four figure now. He's sort of in a tier by himself now, in between the top three above him and, and everybody else beneath him. But with uh, regional leaders having to give up their position, well, first of all, let, let me back that up. Is he one of those that, that will be out of a job by the time the election comes? Yes, yeah, he'll have to stand down uh, in 2023, late 2023, right around the same time as uh, the uh, you know, the the nominations go in, same as Gantra Pernowal. Well, that was, that works out well for him. I guess there's nothing like having the two most populous uh, provinces, leaders of the two most popular leaders of the two most populous provinces uh, running for president. That sounds like a winning ticket. Why wouldn't they be jumping at that? Well, I think. Um, yeah, the, the parties lots of times want to angle for their own vested interests. Um, and Golkar in particular is keen, probably, I assume, to put its party chair, Hartarto, on the ticket. Uh, or, you know, there's a possibility that uh, the nominated alliance for Ganjar might not include Golkar. It might include uh, Partai Democrat as well. That's an outside possibility, but uh, it is a distinct possibility. And uh, and part of the Democrat, the, the reason they would join would be in order to put their chair, uh, August Yudiono, on the ticket as the running mate for vice president. So uh, it really has to do with the um, uh, negotiations for nominations. I think it's kind of interesting that there's been a court ruling saying that cabinet ministers don't have to give up their position if they're running for executive office. But there hasn't been anything about the uh, local leaders running for higher office. So the governor or mayor, if they're running, wouldn't have to step down in order to run for re-election or is that right? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they, they still need to step down, right? Those regional heads, yeah. So it's uh, arguably a, a double standard. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, and so I think, yeah, I think that, that court ruling came out as a way to benefit Widodo. Uh, it helps Widodo keep his options open, especially in the scenario when Hartarto is on a ticket. That way Widodo won't need to have to take Hartarto out of the cabinet, opening up a vacancy that could set off a feeding frenzy within Golkar for that post. Um, this way Widodo can help preserve uh, the status quo while still having freedom to condone whatever tickets he wants to condone. Mm, condone. And lastly, uh, if you, unless you are hiding under a rock uh, for the past year, uh, Indonesia is about to chair the G20. Um, and if you're trying to get around, <laughs> trying to leave the airport, as I was yesterday, uh, good luck. <laughs> uh, use, use the restroom before you go. <laughs> you will yeah. be in traffic. Um, it is, it is crazy, crazy. Um, this has been, to put it mildly, a very difficult year to try to hold a massive summit, not just because of 
you know, the, the first big one after COVID, but given the geopolitical situation, um, there was all sorts of talk at the beginning of the year with, after Russia's invasion of Ukraine that um, there was going to be a bit of a boycott. Uh, we had talk of the previous prime minister of Australia, uh, Scott Morrison, saying that he didn't, he wasn't going to come. Thankfully, the, his the, his successor said that he will. Um, I think Justin Trudeau of Canada wasn't going to come. Biden was humming and hawing. Now those leaders seem to be attending. I'm not too sure about uh, Xi Jinping yet. Uh, Putin definitely has, hasn't said whether he'll come. How is it? Uh, you know, it hasn't actually happened yet, but, you know, we're getting more than half a loaf uh, when previously it was going to look like a, a bit of a toss-up whether anyone was going to be coming uh, or whether it would happen at all. I think uh, we, uh, we actually asked um, uh, Shumilyani whether it was going to happen and she said it was very, very oh, yeah, difficult. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what what's what's your um, sense of how you know, Indonesia has been doing? Uh, well, I think uh, under the circumstances, and I think it's in a position to receive a lot of credit for having gotten this far, and um, you know, especially if it's able to pull off the summit in reasonable condition um, for for having convened uh, this process amid such difficulties internationally. So. Um, you know, there's a potential opportunity here for Indonesia to really um, elevate its stature. And um, Indonesia will emerge out of this process much more well integrated into international affairs. And, and that's something that's good for everybody, I think. Why, you know, it, Indonesia is a huge country, a significant economy. It's part of the G20. Uh, it is a democracy uh, and will remain one. Its institutions are strengthening. It has with stood inflation, inflationary pressures, a wave of populism. It is at peace. Uh, it is, it holds regular and peaceful elections. It is the home to the largest population of Muslims. It is in a very important part of the world. And yet, uh, I think if you were to ask a regular Joe on the street in the U.S. or in Europe where point where Indonesia is, few people would be able to find it on a, on a map. Um, why is it Indonesia punches well below its weight, given its standing? Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's known as a leader of the non-aligned movement. Um, it's, uh, it's virtually the chair of the aloof movement. It's, uh, it's been so aloof in uh, international affairs. Um, but Papua and uh, Suharto are, are the two things, basically. Uh, uh, policymakers have often been ultra-sensitive about scrutiny of conditions in the province of Papua, and that has uh, steered their positioning um, in the United Nations and international relations um, and kind of affected international perceptions of the country also at times. Uh, and then Suhartoism, yeah, that's a legacy that still remains strong. And Suharto was uh, uh, predominantly concerned about internal security. And so it was a very inwardly focused regime. And so that's a, a habit or a tendency that has persisted. So um, you know, this insularity, though, is um, uh, giving way to greater in engagement and confidence, I think, in international relations. And basically the, the policymakers and decision makers uh, in position now have been able to go through uh, incredible interactions with their counterparts uh, throughout this year and as chair of the G20. And so uh, that's going to 
make Indonesia much more adept and astute uh, in, in future. So, and then that should, because of its unique stature, um, its unique uh, credentials, it, it's something that should be beneficial for, for the world to have a, a more engaged uh, Indonesia. So, yeah. yeah but at home, <laughs> what kind of dividends might that pay? Uh, an Indonesia that is um, more engaged uh, with the rest of the world um, with a real stake in um, international institutions. Um, what what would that mean for th- for like uh, investment trade? Oh, it's huge. Yeah, that that's that's the way that uh, people become better off is by engaging internationally. It's uh, <laughs> there's no other way for a, no no country has become uh, prosperous in any other way so far that I'm aware of. Uh, you know, so it's necessary, and uh, there's just uh, so many opportunities and resources available internationally through commerce and trade and cooperation and multilateralism and leveraging those things uh, can directly impact uh, Indonesia in a lot of ways uh, through um, capital inflows and raising incomes, uh, but also preserving Indonesia's environment, which is becoming critically important and preparing for adapting yeah. to climate change, which Indonesia is so vulnerable uh, towards. So yeah, there's, there's huge opportunities and, Indonesia and under the Widodo has been making it, taking advantage of plenty, uh, but um, the, there's always a lot more that can be done. Well, watch this space. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> we'll leave it there. And that's the pod. Our editing and sound engineering is done by Stephen Handoko. Our music is courtesy of the Blue Dot Session. For a free trial of Kevin's Reformasi weekly newsletter, go to reformasi.info. If you're listening to us through a podcast app, you know how this works. Please subscribe to this one and share it on social media. It would be a big help. As always, you can reach us at hello at onthelevel.id. This podcast is a production of On The Level Media. I'm Jeff Hutton. Bye for now.